You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined with Elizabeth and Sebastian to talk about building strong relationships within high performance teams. As usual, we'll start by giving a quick introduction to ourselves. Sebastian, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Sebastian Nilsson. I, I work for Free Trade, a company started in the UK who is now trying to take over uh, Europe through Sweden. And our goal is to uh, make everyone invest. Lovely. And then Elizabeth? Okay. My name is Elizabeth Prisberg and I work as engineer manager in Volvo Cars. And we uh, provide a, a mil- uh, freedom to move in a personal, sustainable way. I don't know if you, <laughs> I think most people know about Volvo Cars. So that, that's where I've been working for 12 years. Incredible. Thank you for that. Um, so what we'll do now then is we'll ask you guys to introduce your questions one at a time. And then if you both have a bit of discussion, see what you think, and let's try and get as much insight out of these as possible. Um, Sebastian, would we like to start with your question? Yeah, sure. It's it's always interesting to get the perspective of other people. And my question was basically, uh, what are the most important things to stay away from, which could ace, uh, easily break the trust in a team? And of course, many people have many different experiences with this. So it's always uh, interesting to bring this up and hear, uh, you know, what other people have experienced and, and build on that treasure trove of experiences to of things to stay away from or to be careful with mm-hmm. really interesting topic there i think uh, stay away from well for me i just go ahead here sebastian what i think i mean if you're given a mandate to a team uh, to provide a solution or you know to just not listen to what they what they come up with you know so go back on on giving trust and uh, so that i think you need to always be careful you know if you're not if you're not able to give or if you can't give the the trust or or, or the mandate for the team well don't do it then uh, that i think is the biggest biggest no-no i would i would i would stay away from you know make sure that it well if i give the trust and ability to take decisions then we respect we respect that. What about the parameter in that? I agree with what you're saying, but sometimes there's a a modification to that situation, which is you know give give freedom what but within parameters. Exactly. To think about there that you know we trust that you will solve this, and then maybe the wrong solution could actually come back. Yeah. What about parameters in that case? Well, that that needs to be cleared out, of course, when you give the mandate in the first place. Uh, but for for uh, so so there, I'm thinking more than than if you ask a team to you know come up with a solution and then not just um, you know give pr- good feedback of why you're not taking it. Or uh, I think you should be very careful in the start get go that you are very careful with the, with what mandate you give, so it's not given lightly. And if you give it. You have given it uh, with the right, per, uh, with the right, you know, guardrails, so the team know exactly what they can take decisions on or not. Um, 
but there, there is also uh, must be more things than that. But that's you know how, how you easily break trust. You know when you say we think you're really smart and that you can actually contribute here, and then oh sorry we had another solution. You know that we took instead. Um, I can't say I've seen it happen many times or something, but that, I, I, usually the teams are, are the are the. Uh, the people that actually know the most, so usually it lands and the decisions are taken from the team. But what, what is your experience there, Sebastian? Have you have you seen anything? No, you would stay away uh, from? I think you're 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 nailing it. And what I'm thinking about is maybe the hybrid um, scenario where you actually don't really know the parameters ahead of time. Yep. Like you you think you're giving free hands and. Yep. And it turns out to maybe be not the most optimal solution coming back, and mm. you need to discover that as a team. Like how mm. do you, how do you bridge that to keep keep the trust? Like to to emphasize what you're saying, which is like you got the trust. We really gave you the trust, but it's not a sign of not trusting you to reiterate and even start over, but maybe do a big change yeah. in what was made. That, that I, I think, you know, the key is really to be that, uh, you know, that you have to show your own uh, insecurities. You know, I don't know and things might happen and uh, I think you know better than me. Uh, things might change and I, as soon as whatever I learn from my, my, my side, I will, you know, make sure that you know what you need to know and um, to, so I can support you. Uh, but I see a lot of that happening in my team. We are very much in discovery phase where it's, you know, where we're trying to find the, the, the what's the game plan. Um, and, and, uh, but it, I think that's the motivation for most of the team, but also it also creates a bit of uh, insecurity because it's quite, you, you place a lot of responsibility on the teams without having the game plan or, or what you need to, uh, you know, what do you need to focus on, on or what prerequisite do you have? If you don't give that, it's of course the sky's the limit, but it's also, very challenging for the, anyone to to try and come up with a solution with that as well. Just on that, um, how do you go about getting trust within your teams, um, especially if they're remote or hybrid? Is that something that comes from company culture, team culture, more leadership, or like just people in general? What do you think, Sebastian? Yeah, I think uh, basically everything you mentioned are, are good uh, factors to really solidify the trust. You know, you can earn the trust quicker if it comes from all all directions. You can even start at the recruitment phase and say that this is a very uh, important uh, tenant in the company to really like lower the barrier uh, early on and make sure that people know, okay, that, that's the prerequisite, but then you need to, to live up to that um, to that promise, right? When it's go time, uh, and I think the the core of uh, of of living up to it to it is to uh, yeah give a lot of uh, give a lot of trust. Uh, yeah, you have to give trust to get trust, right? The best way to uh, build the trust is to give it give it away. Give give the trust and trust people. Uh, I have a little of a of a phrase that I am. Uh, that I carry with me. Uh, I am a facilitation trainer in Volvo Cars. Um, you know how to create, you know, good good uh, ownership. And there, if you involve, if you understand the problem together and get people involved, 
you get them engaged in you know designing a solution then you have automatic also have a created uh, an ownership and just do following that process you also you know building trust um so that's something i carry around with me that to make sure that everyone uh, is involved and, and feeling engaged um in all the aspects uh, from a team of uh, what the, in the teamwork that, that they do and that could that. be anything really with team agreements, you know, making the team. How, how do you want to work with this great uh, team where we are right now? This parameters could be important. It could be important that we speak our mind. It could be important that we give feedback or it could be important that we just take care of each other because we have a hectic time and, you know, we have very tight del uh, deliverables. So, you know, that agreement in the team could also be something that, uh, you know, uh, it's dynamic depending on where they are in time. I think another factor is to also uh, make sure that there's a no no blame culture and no uh, pointing fingers and no punishment for yeah. for mistakes. Uh, that's that's a very good way to build trust to make sure that you uh, really prove that you trust the person. Like everyone can make yeah. mistakes, but you can learn from them and be productive about it. Um, and usually also embrace the mistakes, right? Because it's, you know, it's kind of the mistakes you learn the most about. They, 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 those are usually the bigger learnings. I'm, I'm kind of going against that, you know, it's easy to say share your success stories, no, share your learnings, you know, not the success stories. It's, it's uh, the, the mistakes are actually more worth to me uh, and they could actually share more knowledge for other teams. Uh, we had in our team, in our, in our, cluster which is a, you know we have eight teams that we call a cluster and we had we have a failure board you know just to just also to try the word failure it sounds so negative but we actually celebrate it because it's learnings and it's a, a, a it's important learnings you get from that so, and those are equally important as the as the successes i'm doing this with my finger successes because yeah Incredible. I think that's really a good idea. I've never heard of anyone doing that. Have you had a lot of success within the team and, and feeling trust by having a failure board? I, th I think so. I mean, uh, we have a very open uh, culture in our team. Uh, we are very, we have been working very vis, vis what do you call it, visualize uh, with the, you know, using the walls and now when we work distributed using Maya, etc. Uh, so I'm trying to, you know, embrace uh, to make it fun. You know, I think uh, everything should be have an element of fun, um, and it's been it's been, um, and you have to also you also renew yourself <laughs> as a team, right? You can't just go and work as the same, you know, follow the same process or follow the same, do the retrospective the same way. You have to make it uh, find new ways of uh, improving and feeling, making the feeling that it you are actually evolving and growing because you are you usually are but it's it takes a little bit of time of reflection and looking back a, a year or something to really feel okay we have actually have grown but it's uh, yeah to to make it feel that way also it's uh, i think that's a trick incredible um sebastian do you have anything else to add on this area I think we, we might come back to it organically through the rest of yeah. the conversation. That's it's a good, uh, it's a good I start. Think, I think also when I was to stay away from, I think uh, you know, to stay away from uh, actually um, 
not involving the team in how the team should be set up and how who should be working it. I think that's something you should stay away from as well. You know, if you're going to do recruitment to the team, the team needs to be involved. If you're going to do changes of the setup, the team needs to be involved. Um, so you don't do that something on the side, which it's easily done when it's hyper growth and you find good uh, good candidates. It's it's easy that that could happen on the side, and I think that's a that that could break a hyper performing team as well if they if they're not there. Uh, um, have the mandate to actually uh, be who they want to work with, you know. I agree. I think within the recruitment part, we do the onboarding stage is such an important stage to whether that that contractor or candidate is going to be a success for that team or not. If they, you know, get onboarded and it's just kind of jumped straight in and there's no like speaking to the team or like culture check in the interview stages you tend to find it's not as good as a fit when like they speak to developers before they join the team or you have those conversations and make sure that like the first week they're pair programming or yeah. different things like that just to yeah. make sure that they feel connected really mm. I don't know if you've had that with other employees or within your teams I think I've experienced both ways when sometimes things gone too fast, uh, um, but we are we do our best to to make the team decide uh, from everything how they want to work and uh, um, which tools they want to use, etc. Um, but sometimes you do you do it the uh, the wrong way, right? And that's how you learn. Definitely, Sebastian. How have you found that with? Um, free trade growing so fastly at the moment within the Swedish market you've hired a lot of people recently have you found that you're able to pin teams together like well like quite easily or has it been something that you've had to really think about within this process it's a great question I mean if you start with the theory of the different stages of a team um I think you always have to count on any change in any team you know you bring people in from another team internally, you recruit from externally, you even do too big of a change within a team, like change role or some people, you sort of start from scratch, but then it's up to you and the culture how quickly you can get back to the high performing stage of the team. And I think that the culture is the carrier there uh, where the high trust, you know, gets you to that point very quickly and that the uh, uh, yeah, that the, that the culture cultural fit is there for everyone in the team, so they qu more quickly can find their roles and their persona uh, in the team. So I think that's what made us quite quite successful with that. Incredible. And then just to spin it, obviously Volvo has been around for quite a while, and you're a huge organization. Is that still like? Do you still have that like kind of scale up company? feeling um, within your team individually? Pretty much so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that the Volvo, Volvo is the same company as it was for five years ago. We are, we are definitely in hyper growth right now and changing our entire business model, going electrical, electrical etc. So uh, it is uh, under huge pressure uh, and huge uh, opportunities. So we are very much into building and recruiting and uh, we also have a tradition, have Quite many consultants and right now we're going more to have a you know having a built-in in-house built so it's a very much uh, ongoing there as well to to uh, both recruiting and and um, 
scaling it, right? That's that's the beauty of uh, when it, when it goes well. Well, it has to scale as well. So it's it's um, and then the, the team structure and the 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 team collaboration and also cross clusters or teams uh, is extremely important. Um, so yes, we learn a lot at Volvo Cars from that perspective, from having uh, being an old business. I mean, we turned 90 years old this this uh, year, I believe. So it's uh, we're not a, a, a startup in that sense, but we have a, quite a, much of a startup mentality. <laughs> so we see bright for the future. But I had a follow up question, Sebastiano. So when when are when can you what can, what do you expect to see? Here? What is a high performing team in your in your view, I think uh, predictability is a big, big factor uh, that you can see that uh, maybe not speed because that's relative to mm. the amount of people and the skill levels, but more like, uh, yeah, predictability helps helps to uh, uh, or or knowing the the predictability or <laughs> high predictability enables you to plan a lot better. So that's one thing, but also. Uh, the quality of the results, which usually in a software engineering world comes from collaboration, mm. which in its turn comes from trust or at least good collaboration comes from trust. Mm. Uh, so it, it all sort of plays into to that. So I think predictability and just the quality of work and the collaboration and the quick turnaround of things, you know, discovering things, experimenting and, and finding the best way forward. Uh, in the quickest way possible. And then I don't mean time, not like, well, my team will do it in one week and yours will do it in two. But if you break down the work that is supposed to be done, how quickly can you get to a falsification of the work? Like mm. I can find out in one week that this is actually the wrong thing to work on. Yeah. It's better than the team that takes two weeks to, to complete. It's a it. short feedback loop, more or less, that to have a very short feedback loop of knowing that you're onto something. Yeah. Mm. No, because I think that that's uh, that's usually a little bit. You know, we talk about high-performing team. Uh, for me, it's also uh, when I see uh, it's easy for the developers to actually work. You know, it's easy for them to deploy. It's uh, it's uh, easy for them to build new things. It's easy to test. Uh, um, that's also so. You, when I see happy developers, I'm like, okay, here we on to something. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing getting as much uh, business value as possible in us short amount of time maybe boils it down yeah yeah lovely and then elizabeth would you like to introduce your question and what kind of area you're focusing on yeah no i'm thinking you know when you have a high performing team how can you make that team's experience and learnings you know being shared by other teams because it's uh, uh yeah, that's what I'm figuring out a little bit, how you can make the rings on the water, you know, grow bigger as I'm an engineer manager for eight teams. That's something I think about a little bit, you know, how. Uh, and I don't have any clear answers on that. Um, <laughs> so I'm just in interested in discussing that. Uh, but one point I have for me has been to, you know, be a little bit, OK, what have we learned instead of talking what works and what have we learned? Uh, regularly in cross the cross the teams um, and demo uh, the learnings. It could demo the things we built, but we could demo pretty much anything that we learned. 
I think that's that's a great great way to start. Demo the failures to connect mm. to what we talked about earlier. Make make the team very human and and approachable. But I think the 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 thing to think about when inspiring engineers is that there's many different personality types. So you need maybe to inspire on a on a business level, like look at how much this team brought in business value, you know, increased revenue, lowered cost, you know, made deployment time quicker. It can be, you know, anything that really brings value, but then it can be technical value as well. Uh, I think that's where the the last example comes in, you know, build time went from we have to wait 15 minutes to five minutes. That's a that's a big, uh, big difference and trigger different personality types to be to be inspired and then, you know, just evangelize that team in a way, not like lifting them up as they're the best, but more mm-hmm. like look at this, like this is a template. Think about how this team uh, does things and make it very concrete, uh, not abstract, like be more like that team, but like no, ex- no exactly. We have actually tried that also, you know, since the different of our teams, you know, that the demand of a, of a product might also re- get reduced, you know, so the bandwidth of the team might um, be lowered. And then we have also um, uh, encouraged people to do, to form a new, uh, you know, new teams that goes cross teams to just try out uh, different things together. So maybe that uh, could be that, you know, okay, you go against the persistent team, but it's out of, you know, discovery mode and uh, the loss from the engineers themselves. Uh, to just learn from each other and that, that's also you know given insights to the teams and i think also each team has maybe different setup you know some might be very um, design heavy or user experience and some might be back end so to make sure that you can collaborate and get learnings from each other in that sense as well yeah i think uh, that's a good point like to to show it in many different angles and uh, I don't know, write blog posts about it, create templates, uh, involve other teams, let them uh, cross collaborate with that team. That's a good way yeah. to sort of infect them with the same uh, tricks because that's sometimes the successful team might not know exactly what it is that makes them successful and it's just transferred by osmosis when yeah. collaborating with them. And I think for, from my part, we've been a bit unorthodox because our, our teams right now is handling a big Java monolith. So it's, you know, they're connected quite well in the, in the code. And then we also, uh, we have done a few self-selecting events, you know, where we, where we formulate the products and the, the engineers can go to the team or area that they, you know, are most intrigued by. And that's something as we are changing quite much right now, so it will happen quite often, not quite often, but it's, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, not every year, but always make sure that they be prepare the engineers that the world keeps changing because it's something that, you know, I see a lot of in the world we live in that, you know, the 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 um, products change, the teams will change, the uh, organization will change. So just uh, make make it easy and uh, to to actually adapt and change, so it's not so scary. I think that's something. Yeah, we need to, we we work at that Volvo cars at least. Yeah, that's a very important baseline to if if you want to uh, either hyper grow or have a lot of change and adaption you need to normalize change like yeah. that needs to be 
the default mode to always yeah. re remind people like this is this is one of our mantras you know, that uh, change is always constant uh, so people have yeah. that top of their head there, there will still be a little bit of friction when the change comes but people will have their guards down and be more uh, more ready for it hopefully yeah just yeah. on that, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, mm -hmm. just on that, do your eight teams, do they socialize together? Like, do they have, like, I know you have speakers in Sweden, yep. do you do Absolutely. social events? Absolutely. We do, do, you find, hmm? do you find that helps them become more high performing by speaking to each other outside of, like, planned events and more in a relaxed Absolutely. environment? Absolutely. I mean, nothing beats uh, uh, getting to know a person a little bit better than outside just work you know, what their interests are, what the, their other passion is than outside work, right? So I think that's a really important um, to give room for that, right? For the full person, because you're not just uh, the person on work, you're probably somewhat, a little bit someone else, uh, Gemma, uh, when, you're, uh, when you're home, right? Uh, and I want to bring the, the Elisabeth, uh, I have my own little farm here and I, I bring, I've actually invited my teams to the farm here where I live as well, just to do activities with my animals, etc. And that's really appreciated that you, when you show your, you know, your home for, for teams, right? Yeah, I think it helps that vulnerability aspect, like we're yeah. just speaking with trust, like if you've been vulnerable with somebody and shown them like a little bit more than just a timetabled event, um, it helps, yeah. helps people grow. Well, I think, it, I think to have a high performing team and relation, I think it's something with leadership also, right? I mean, good leadership that is authentic and someone that is kind and, you know, really cares for the team. I think I expect that is happening uh, in a team that is high performing, that they have that kind of leadership support. And how do you know that you have a stronger relationship and also for real mm. with people in the team? How do you know that? Really tricky question. Really, really tricky question for me. For, I, I, I assume it is when I when I see people having a really high psychological safety, you know, they can bring themselves, they can uh, they can be transparent with what they're going for, uh, going through and get support from it. I would I would expect the team to uh, help each other out. Um, I would expect uh, uh, the team to not let someone take a certain role all the time, that you evenly distribute the work and knowledge between the team. So you so you don't have a one member that, you know, always do a certain job. Uh, that is something that I expect to see as well. And I expect there to be a good feedback culture, you know, that feedback is given natural and uh, you know, daily, not just, uh, uh, yeah, that you have an easy time to to say this feels good for me and this this now now I may this feels off when you talk to me like that I I don't understand what you mean or, or that kind of conversations as well as I expect to see. Just on feedback, I think it's quite interesting that um, when you're giving feedback, do you tend to do it as you go or is it just kind of a like um, monthly review? We'll give your feedback or is it a as a team individual? Would you say it to people in front of the rest of the team or take them to the side? How do you structure that? 
Well, for me, I, I try. I, I I try to work with feedback every day. Uh, as a manager, it's a bit harder to get feedback from the team, you know. Then you, so I, I beg. <laughs> it's like I really want to improve. So you know, anything helps me. Uh, so please tell me if I could tweak something, or you know, I'm, I, so I'm really saying that in all I do every time. Uh, and um, how I work with feedback in my teams, I usually. If we talk of performance wise, you know, when you review the performance, I ask them to gather their, their feedback so they can choose from which people they would like to gather their feedback. I give them that's their responsibility. They get my feedback for free. I say that's that's free of charge. They can always get that whenever they want. But um, so they can pick, you know, the people they trust, because I think. Yeah. And if I'm going to give feedback, I usually also, you know, since I have many teams, I always ask, you know, is it okay? I have feedback. Is it okay if I give it? Because sometimes you're not, you're not in the mood to get feedback, you know. So it's also optional to say no. How do you work, Sebastian? Yeah, I like that last part. That, that's what I do too. I'm, uh, I'm uh, one notch not not as nice. I don't ask for uh, <laughs> being allowed to, but I ask, are you ready for it? No, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think I might uh, consider tweaking it. But uh, no, I think there are some easy, like just ground rules to think about, you know, uh, positive feedback uh, in front of people if possible and mm. negative one to one and try to uh, always give feedback as close to uh, the event as possible. Yeah. Like, yeah. Two weeks ago, you did a great uh, thing in the office. Like, uh, you don't remember that. That, mm. that doesn't work. It needs to be close in time. It needs to be specific to be helpful. Like, oh, great presentation. Okay, that's that's that, that will make people happy, but it will be even more valuable when you explain why and mm. the consequences of it. And the same with uh, uh, constructive feedback that you explain what is the behavior you are seeing uh, like objectively and what um, what effect that has and why you're giving that feedback mm. because it's uh, it's very valuable. I mean, it's the, the easiest thing on earth is just to move on and not give the feedback uh, because then then you dodge the conflict. So to actually take time and you know gather yourself and uh, and push yourself to give that feedback that might not be 100% comfortable. Uh, you're potentially giving a person quite a quite a gift. Yeah, it's always a gift. Uh, that's uh, you know if that's how I, even though you give tough feedback, uh, I you know you would want to know if you if you cause emotions or something something for another person. I would always want to know that. So I assume that's uh, th that you want to learn how you affect other people, right? And we need to we need to get better at that as well. It's it's uh, I see that as a you know just like uh, taking care of your body. If you don't do it, you get uh, a little bit uh, rusty in your and not lose your condition. And that's the same with the feedback culture. It's really keep the keep it in motion. How do you ask your team to give you feedback? Do you ask them to do it um, as a group or one to one or is it anonymous? Or do they? Do you know who's given what? I use what? all tools in the box. I think. <laughs> <clears throat> I usually, I mean, when work distributed after meetings or a workshop, I, I usually okay, what uh, what what went good and what could I improve? I also like the perfection game that I. It's a toolbox, you know. What I liked is la 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 this to make it perfect, you know. 
that the, the perfection game gives it a little bit easier to give constructive feedback because it's wrapped in nice words. It's always a gift. So that's something I play around with as well. Uh, and sometimes I just do polls, you know, to just uh, this is a very important to me uh, information I, I want to protect. So it's, it's completely anonymous. I, I, you know, it depends on what kind of feedback. So I, I try to use everything. What do you do, Sebastian? Yeah, it's it's really hard uh, for some people to give feedback. So I try to make it a standing point in in the one on ones with people. You know, do you have any feedback in general uh, to open the door and not push people too much? You know, because you don't want feedback just because for the sake of it. But like, really, like, do you have anything? Open that door. But when uh, when it's more applicable, like, okay, you held a presentation. Then you mm. can ask the, the group or you can ask individuals, what did you think about this and that and this and that? I think that will help some people who are not not used to it and uh, you know push people out of the comfort zone to give give feedback and get into that habit, I guess. Because mm. yeah, like you said, it's a it's a muscle uh, that you need to practice because it's it's yeah, I think it comes down to that it's easy to not give feedback. I usually also use the tool, you know, that sometimes maybe let's say I, I'm going to have a big presentation uh, in front of a big audience and that I plant someone, you know, please, I want some feedback. So they, someone I, I is planted by me because now I want feedback. It's also a tool to just help people practice to give feedback. And that's also me asking for help beforehand, you know. Uh, so that's also a tool how, how it doesn't have to be when it pops up, but you actually give someone a task. I want feedback on, it could be sp on specific topics or, how I managed, uh, did I speak too much or did I listen? How did I, did I practice my active listening in the group meeting? You know, so that is one aspect to actually get some feedback as a manager <laughs> to, to do it like that. I think one thing with presentations, how I do it is I would ask people what they've learned. So it's one of, I probably asked both of you after the podcast of what did you take from the podcast? What did you learn? Because you always find that when you word it a bit sneakily, people are more open to give ideas. Um, and if they did say, oh, I learned this and you know that they've, they've listened, they've taken something. Um, and then with my manager, we do a stop start continue so I do it on myself each month of something I think I could stop start and continue and then I'll ask her to do it for me um and then it gets it the other way where she can't not give me anything because it's it's there it's in paper and she has to write it down to fill the box out mm. <gasps> that's a good tip um lovely well we've been speaking for quite a while now we've nearly in 50 minutes um which is quite incredible um one thing before i let you both go is how do you define a high relationship and a high performance a strong relationship i should say how do you define strong relationship or high performance within your team oh there's so hard questions yeah <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's it's connecting to how, how I feel about the person. You know, if I if I generally care about this person, uh, and I want to help, I want to grow this person. Uh, uh, that's that's a signal for me that I that I have a relationship with this person. You know, that's strong. I, I think about I want the best for the person, uh, and I'm investing uh, my my time in a relationship with this with this person. But what would you say, Sebastian? 
yeah, the strong strong relationship I think boils down to uh, like the mental safety that we uh, discussed earlier that people feel like they can be honest and uh, and say what's on their mind and you know if it's positive or negative. I think that mm. that's sort of the foundation for me uh, and everything else I agree with, but for me that's sort of the the foundation that I use to to gauge if the if the relationship is good. You know, can mm. they come to me with, oh man, I really messed up here. Uh, yeah. And then, then I know, okay, we have we have good trust here. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's probably the easiest indicator, and everything else are like proxy indicators that proves that that's going well. Uh, the other part of the question was uh, high performance. I think we covered that uh, with the uh, predictability and autonomy and, and things like that. Mm. And teams having fun, being able to to be productive uh, in an easy and effortless way, right? Yeah, I'm bringing as much business value as possible. Basically. Yeah, and being able to handle conflicts, etc. I think a, a high-performing team is the one that it doesn't agree all the time with each other. It's actually where 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 things are easily open for debate in the open. It could maybe appear like arguments, but it's not really. It's just a uh, People being very familiar with each other. Yeah, the hard, hard discussions doesn't have to be arguments. It can just be no. lively discussions. And if they don't leave any uh, marks or negativity, that's usually a good sign of, of trust within the team as well. Yeah. And in the end, I mean, what you want, you don't want that in isolation, right? Oh, I want uh, conflicts, but you want the end result that those uh, discussions that can sometimes be hard ends up with you know the product being better or uh, solutions being better so uh, mm. and that won't, won't happen if people work in isolation usually no totally agree incredible well do either of you have any last points any last questions before we wrap up no i think no. we covered uh, quite some of the distance and the topics together Definitely. I think it's been really, really insightful. Um, we've covered quite a lot in quite a short amount of time. So well done, both of you. Um, but you'll need a, a good glass of water or maybe something a bit stronger later on yeah. this evening. Um, but I'm going to celebrate. It's my first <laughs> podcast and uh, yes, and I have had a really good day also. So I'm going to have in the afternoon sun here, going to go out and have a little beer. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Sebastian, are you doing anything? Nice evening yeah. planned? I actually have a dinner uh, with someone tonight, so going out to town to eat, so that will be good. Good, uh, good timing to celebrate. Incredible. In a strong relationship, I hope then, Sebastian. <laughs> I'll, I'll work for it. Good. <laughs> Make sure it's high performing. Yeah. High performing relationship. <laughs> incredible well i'll let you both go and enjoy the rest of your days thank you so much to everyone for listening i hope you've taken something from this podcast thank you again to sebastian and elizabeth for sharing your points of view